Okay, here we are. We are back for episode two. Westport Library <laughs> versus Studios. <laughs> Last week was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It's fun being behind the mic, you know. You get to lay your thoughts down. I also love the clarity of it. The, the sound, sound quality. Yeah, it sounds so clear. Yeah, but we, we only have used professional sound quality on this podcast. We could do some ASMR. Just kidding. <laughs> I know. I always get the tendency to right? whisper into the mic. It could, really, it, it could be very relaxing. Yeah, it could also be super annoying. Who knows? <laughs> you have to give, give, give us your feedback in the <laughs> our, our comments. Listeners, <laughs> our listeners are going to have to let us know. Yeah. Okay, you ready to jump into topics here? I'm ready. Take it away. Okay, the SVB bank failure. Don't do this to me. Why not? (laughs) What do you know about it, if anything? I just know that it's not good. But like, what are the, what are the, like, what's happened on the ground? What are the facts on the ground right now? A lot of money was lost. But I would like you to explain. The rest. <laughs> I would like you to explain the rest of <laughs> the rest of it to me. All right, let me. I'm going to approach this from a different angle. Okay. okay. 2008 financial crisis. Okay. What do you know about that? What were the facts on the ground there? I think it was too much lending, not a lo- not enough paying back. Uh, to sum it up in like lay like, like people's terms. Okay. Do you remember? That time, did that make an impression on you at all? Like, did you follow it at all, or it was just happening in the background and you weren't really paying attention? I think we were in high high school then. Would that be correct? Yeah, high school. Yeah. Um, I think it was hard for people, for a lot of people to get jobs. I remember people who were graduating college at that time. It was very hard to get jobs, especially in finance. Um. Yeah, I know that we haven't had a financial crisis to that to that level since then, to my understanding. But fill me in. Tell me what I'm missing. Tell, tell the listeners what we're missing. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I always said that the, what happened in 2008 was sort of a catalyst for my interest in economics. And I took a class at the London School of Economics about financial crises, and then that led into like job on wall street um so it it definitely made an impression on on me and how like i didn't realize before then that you could live in these different economic cycles and that life feels differently when you're in one part of the cycle versus another part yeah i feel like i i feel like i learned that in some of my my micro and global business classes in college right and i think what the reason why I asked about 2008 in regard to what's going on with SVB is because it's possible that we could be headed into this different part of the cycle where, you know, the economy and thus sort of like the world and our environment feels different than it did previous. Do you, do you feel that this current bank crisis is or was brought on by covid etc or is it a totally separate process are they maybe correlated what are your thoughts on that i think it's very related okay i think that we had to print a lot of money and give out a lot of money during covid and this is kind of like the bill is coming due a little bit for that um so i think it's very connected what's the timeline 
that you're kind of envisioning comparing this to what happened in 2008? Well, uh, listeners of the podcast might know that <laughs> there there's a uh, a guy on Twitter. His name is Bology, who is very into cryptocurrency. I won't get into his whole background, but I don't, I don't, I don't do Twitter. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so this uh, prominent Twitter account, let's say, um, has made a very public, uh, a very big bet that um, the U.S. financial system is, let's say, very poorly positioned and that mm -hmm. the timeline is in the next 90 days. Wow. So before, before the summer. Yes, before the summer. Now, this is not the consensus view. This is just one... Um, interesting character person. interesting yeah so we could be on the some on at the start of something very big and bad or it could just be another passing passing, passing headline yeah interesting thank you for filling me and, and the, the listeners, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> there's no one here with us and the listeners in yeah strong first topic okay speaking of uh new developments mm. My next question is going to be, and I'm sure you can already guess. Oh gosh, I can, but but just to, just to give the listeners the <laughs> listeners some context here, I I bring up uh, ChatGPT hourly, very often, daily, and I I often get eye rolls and scoffs and why are we talking about this again? But the reason why is because it could be important for the future. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I entertain that opinion. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I want. So here's a hypothetical. Mm -hmm. The other week, I texted you a uh, concert, an artist, and said, "Like, hey, would you want to go see this with me or something?" And you didn't know who the artist was. I said I would go though. But you said, "Like, yeah, of course, I'm I would go." I'm a supportive go. person. You're supportive, and I, like, and, and I like doing fun things. And you like doing fun things, etc. What if, let's say a couple of years down the line, I texted you, same exact text, do you want to go to this concert with me? The only difference is that the concert is basically a robot that creates oh the music. Oh gosh. And a robot that does, let's say some sort of like light show along with the music. So it's not like a human artist. No. It's a, it's a robot artist. No. You wouldn't want to go. No. I I grew up going to concerts. I especially had this phase when I graduated high school and then I think really till the end of college where I just went to every big concert and I think there's something powerful and magical about being in the room with an actual performer and watching what they've created on the back end come to life. Not only the music but also the actual performance, the costumes, the art that's behind it. And I can't imagine AI at this point. Of course, I can't predict the future. I can't imagine AI um, competing with an actual person to a level that I would be interested in. I'm sure you would be interested in seeing what it would be like. I think I would maybe go just to see what it's like. But I, I think there is something magical about what the human brain can the human brain and its creativity can can do and i i don't think ai is 
is going to be taking that away from people, at least not in my opinion. Alternative uh, hypothetical. Mm-hmm. What if I texted you and said, um, there is a very interesting meteor shower that you would see like lights in the sky or something that was from nature. So it's not human, um, but it is some interesting spectacle that you have the option to behold or not. Would you be interested in going to some sort of interesting meteor shower? How does chat GPT create a meteor shower? It won't, but it's something that's not created by a human. It's just some like interesting spectacle that warrants, uh, that may or may not warrant attention and interest. I'd be interested in seeing that, but I just, I want you to explain the connection with chat GPT on that one. Well, the, I guess the connection is like, so if you're interested in the meteor shower and if you're interested in, let's say it wasn't a robot, but it was like a DJ, like Avicii or uh, pick, pick another DJ. Wow. That feels David Guetta. That feels very uh, college circa 2012. Right. If it were something, some product where it's not about like the human on stage, it's more just about the experience and the environment and the spectacle. Maybe. I'd have to be presented with it enough to have all the details and know what I would choose. Right. Okay. <laughs> it, I it, knew ChatGPT. When JJ's asking the questions, I knew ChatGPT. I, I have more. I have more. Oh, 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 there's more. <laughs> there's more. It, it, it's just interesting because when, you know, it's like the when the robot makes the sounds or when the robot makes the lights versus when the human makes the sounds or the human makes the lights. Even in the, in the case of a DJ, it's not the DJ singing or the DJ really, uh, you know, strumming the guitar. It's the DJ mixing different sounds together. A robot could do that in Food the future. Food for thought. Food for thought. <laughs> um, okay. And then the, the other question I have about it is... Uh, is in education because mm. I, I'm an educator and there are these new tools out that basically chat GPT can function as a personal tutor mm -hmm. and it can teach you anything you want to know. And every step along the way, it knows where you're making a mistake and it prompts you not necessarily with the answer, but maybe just with a hint that you would need to, advance your thinking and advance your skills is this a new capability of chat gpt that i have not heard about yet it sounds like it is yes this is in the last like four days they released this demo it's sort of like an add-on yeah it's advanced capabilities okay i mean you know my thoughts on chat gpt i'm not as enthralled with it as i think you are which is totally fine um I think it is a slippery slope when it comes to education, especially of younger people. I'm not sure what ages are typically utilizing ChatGPT. I think you've mentioned that your high school students know what it is. But are middle schoolers aware of ChatGPT? I'm sure a lot of middle schoolers have phones these days, whereas we may not have. 
I think it's a slippery slope. I think that um, what you learn in the classroom, what you learn from an actual teacher, a person, can't, in my mind, be replaced with AI yet. I, again, I can't see the future, and I'm sure, you know, before, uh, what was it, Y2K, we didn't even know if computers were, were going to be such a big thing. Um, I think it's a slippery slope. I... I don't know what's going to happen with AI and with teaching. I think I would need to see more, see how it develops and see how it, I think, more so can complement what's done in school and in the classroom rather than replace. Because what's the expectation that you're not going to be going to class anymore? You're not going to be writing papers or taking exams. What What's the expectation of this add-on capability? Is it for people who can't, who can't be, you know, attending school? Um or who live in parts of the world where they're they aren't able to go to school. I think I would need to know more. Okay. Well, so there are a couple different parts. One part is should this new technology change what our learning goals are for our learners? Like um the same way you might have argued that the internet should change should have changed the way we trained young people or we educated young people you know in the 80s or 90s that's one question but leaving that question aside should the learning goals change if you're if you could go to an ai and it would serve as a tutor for whatever it is your learning goals are it sounds like you wouldn't have a problem with that as long as it's like effective. Sure. Tutoring is obviously, uh, you know, can be a very expensive endeavor. And I think that tutoring is not always equally accessible to people. So if there is a program that is free or, you know, minimally um, expensive, then yeah, I think it would be an addendum to what is already happening in school and in the classroom. But I think the notion that it can replace, I, I'm not I'm not on board with. Maybe in 50 years, that'll be the, less than 50 years, that'll be the norm. But right now, I think there's still so much value in being in the classroom and learning from a teacher, a professor, and, you know, yeah, I just don't think AI can take that. Acquiring knowledge in the in the normal way that we're used to, I believe still outweighs what AI can can do for you. Right. It'll be interesting. To, it's interesting to think about where is the threshold where the robot actually becomes more effective than than the human. I don't. I don't know if you can answer that yet. I don't think you can. I mean, I remember. Um, there was an article that talked about this as it relates to dermatologists. And the article concluded that AI can be an addendum to what a, dermat a dermatologist's eye and hands, you know, everything can see and understand about the patient. But you need that human touch. And I don't think that we're going to be seeing robots walking around the hospitals just yet doing everything. I've seen them in Stop and Shop, though. Have you seen those robots in Stop and Shop? I have seen those. Oh, are they walking around? Yeah, now? they're walking around to help you reach things. It's a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't think it can yet replace the traditional jobs or, you know, aspects of society that we're used to. 
ask me, you know, ask me again when this further develops. But right now, at least that's my opinion. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, with dermatology in particular, I could see a scenario where, especially for communities like you were saying that don't maybe have the access or the resources to the best doctors, um, where rather than have to go travel and see a doctor, you could just take a picture of whatever it is your ailment is, and then the robot can diagnose. But the robot would then have to have had almost a decade of training it, it put into its its computer. Right. Well, but part of the interesting thing about chat <laughs> about GPT-4, GPT-4 just passed the bar exam at, oh, the, gosh. at the 90th percentile. That's not normal. Can someone in the comments tell me if they think that's normal? That's not normal. It's not normal, but that's what this thing is capable of. And uh, there's... Uh, probably an equivalent like medical i, I think it took the, the mcat the oh, mcat okay. oh, as yeah, well i think it did i think it scored really well on the mcat good for it <laughs> good for it good for it all right i know when i've tapped out of uh chat gpc <laughs> this happens in a lot of conversations that jj has about chat gpc yeah there's so many more examples we could go through but i'll I'm sure. i will spare you i will spare you um Okay, pivoting. Next topic. Are Next you ready? topic. I'm ready. Okay. Children's books. Mm-hmm. When you were a young child, what were your favorite, uh, your favorite genres? Oh my gosh! Well, how young are we talking? Anything that sticks out in your memory as like this is a fond. I mean, genre. the Berenstain Bears, Curious George, Amelia Bedelia, anything Judy Bloom, Lemony Snicket, series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Potter, although I never read the seventh book. Don't come at me. You um, read all six, but not seven. I did. Oh I think God. I was in, I think we were in college when the seventh one came out. If I'm not mistaken, people waited online for it. Yeah, maybe maybe it did come out like freshman year of college or something. Yeah, so no. Um, Do you know what happens? No. You'll, have to, you'll tell me offline. I'll you in later. You don't want to spoil it for the for the listeners. The remember the boxcar kids, boxcar children. Yeah. What what were some of yours? I mean, those stick out. I was even thinking more like you know Doctor Seuss. Oh yeah, Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah. All the places you'll go. Right. Yeah, Dr. Seuss, the classic, Theodore Geisel. Yeah. Dartmouth Med School is named after him. You know that, right? Is named after Dr. Seuss? Well, Geisel, Theodore Geisel. Oh, that's his real name. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Was he a was he a medical student? No, I think he I think he went to Dartmouth though. I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure he went to the the undergrad school. Oh. I don't think he was a doctor. Um wait, keep naming children's books. This takes me back. <laughs> There were some that were like purely picture books. Like uh, there was one definitely of some very colorful fish or something. <gasps> the rainbow fish. The rainbow fish. Yeah. I love that book. I think we still have it. Or or Chrysanthemum. That was another book that Chrysanthemum, I had. Chrysanthemum, yeah. You remember that one? I, the name rings a bell. I learned about what a chrysanthemum was from that book. Oh, we're old. Well, so that do you think that the children's books that we grew up with are correct for this generation as well? Do you think they're kind of like timeless? I do. These are all classics. 
I do. I think people are still reading um, Judy Bloom's Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. It's about getting your period for the first time. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you never read that? No, not that particular <laughs> volume. Um, I think so. I mean, there are so many books, on, so many new books on the market now. But I would hope that this generation is is still reading those classic books. They're classic for a reason. Yeah. I think particularly boxcar kids. I think like my dad read boxcar kids. Wow. And like, of course, like Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, like our parents for sure read those. Uh-huh. Oh. You know what kids now, nowadays have no idea about? They have no idea about Harry Potter. Remember Captain Underpants? Yes. Why did we read that? I barely read it, but... That, we, we that loved, is an interesting one. We loved Captain Underpants. Who's we? People at my school. I mean, it was always at the book fair, the Scholastic Book right. Fair. Remember that? Yeah. That was great. That was a great time. Captain Underpants feels like one that might not be uh, an enduring one. It might have just been a phase. <laughs> Captain Underpants phase. What about a series of unfortunate events? Yeah, well, they made a, I think it's a Netflix show or something. Out of oh, that. with Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Yeah, that 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 was. I used to get those the second that they came out. The Click, remember The Click? It was a girl book, but do you have any friends that read The Click? No. Gossip Girl used to be a book. I never read it. I only watched the because uh, it wasn't appropriate. I don't think I shouldn't have been watching it probably either. Wow, it's really taken us back. So, to the extent that kids these days, like, let's say, no longer read those books or that that's not what they're growing up with. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're like missing out on? I think it was a simpler time back when we were younger. There wasn't as much on TV. Nobody had cell phones until you were at least in middle school, if not high school. You're outside more. I don't know. I think it was just simpler, simpler times. There are so many distractions now for kids, so many things that are in your face buzzing and going off and all the time. I, I even wonder if reading is down for, for the next generation just because they have so much else at their fingertips to distract them. Right. I mean, so for your nephews, do you think they're missing out on that genre of book that we grew up with i think that they have a lot of the books that we just mentioned on their bookshelf they i mean they are always reading but they also do nintendo right i think nintendo or we had game boys back then if you remember same thing yeah um no i think i think that they've read some of the books that we read growing up while the older nephew Mm -hmm. so you think that they're uh that they haven't been necessarily missing out on a critical uh, literary exposure. I mean, I don't know every single book on their on their bookshelf, but I, I don't think so. We'll see what... I also am curious what they're going to be reading in school, right? We had mandatory books that we read in middle school and high school. I'd be curious what those books are. Like The Giver was one of them. I remember the Lois, Lois Lowry, I think that was, yeah, The Giver. Um, so I'd be curious what books are mandatory for them to read. Yeah, I read The Giver. It's 
great book. It's a sad book. It's a sad book. Yeah, it is sad. It's eye-opening. It's interesting to think about every generation feels like the next generation is like totally screwed. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like we had the correct childhood and they're not having it for some, for some reason. Uh, I guess time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. All right. Should we go to one, one other topic? One other topic. Last topic. Make it fun. A fun topic. Wow. I, I, I was going to ask about a non-fun topic. <laughs> okay, what's the non-fun topic? I was going to I was going to ask about so we're talking about your, you know, childhood and uh I'm curious about the role of your grandparents and how did they overlap with the uh the literary the, the things you were reading or were they totally disconnected from it and feeling some different aspect of your upbringing I mean my my mom's parents were with us every single day they lived very close a couple blocks away from my parents house um my grandpa actually taught me how to read when I was like three years old remember the book fun with dick and jane I don't think I know that one it was like see spot run it was it was like the easy book to learn how to read anyway um so I think that spending all that time with especially my my grandfather I learned to tie my shoes really young I learned to read really young I was doing things at I think a more advanced um pace having had really a lot of uh grandparent attention but in terms of the genre of what I was reading if you mean like if I was reading holocaust books or things like that I'm not sure if necessarily I was um I obviously took an interest to that in middle school. Uh, a classmate of mine's grandfather wrote a book that we actually read in school. I think I took an interest in it as I got older, but not as not as a kid. I think they were just happy to have me, you know, reading and doing advanced things as a younger as a younger person. Right. Do you think that your grandparents thought you were reading the? write stuff like did they have an opinion about you should be doing this or that or exposed to this or that or they it was mostly like happy-go-lucky like we'll just do whatever yeah I think they were just happy to have me you know reading and doing something that was more academic um than like sitting in front of the television right so no I don't remember them like pushing any specific like books on me what about did they ever say things like oh you need to get outside more you need to uh we were all outside. What do we, we didn't have to get outside more. We were always outside. With your grandparents? Yeah. I don't remember that being something that was said when I was growing up. Do you remember that being said? Not by grandparents, but I mean, definitely my my parents would always be like, yeah, you should like take advantage of such a great day. It's such a great day out. And I would always be like, what do you mean it's such a great day out? I'm watching TV. <laughs> I wasn't as much of a TV watcher growing up. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking about it because in the context of like, oh, this next generation is, you know, not doing the right thing or not being exposed to the right thing or they're being exposed, let's say, to something that's different than us and therefore there might be some different outcomes with regard to like the whole generation. 
were our grandparents thinking the same thing when we were growing up, you know, like, oh, they're reading Dr. Seuss. Like, why are they doing that? They should be doing X, Y, and Z. You don't think so? Unfortunately, we can't ask them. We can't ask them. I think it was simpler times, though. I bet you that our grandparents were just happy if we were reading or playing sports versus, like, being in front of the television. The television was kind of the max of it all for them. I mean, my grandparents didn't really do the computer. Did your grandparents use computers? Uh, Only very reluctantly. Right, right. Um, So I think it was just how much time are you spending on things that are not the TV. That was always a positive. Right. And I think probably every generation from now on is going to be like, spend less time in front of the TV. Or in front of your phones or in front of TikTok or in front of Netflix. Right. More time outside. More time using your brain, reading books. The Westport Library has been a favorite place of ours getting to read books you know for free and then giving them back i love it this place is great yeah and it'll be interesting um if these types of public resources are sustained over time have sustained interest sustained resources uh sustained prioritization in society yeah (laughs) very erudite thought yeah. Any, on that? Anything else you want to, you're that, dying to cover? <laughs> on that note, I think we'll save the other topics for next time. How do you think I did leading the conversation? I think you did well. You picked some serious topics. Too so serious? Bal- not too serious. I think it balances out the, some of the funny ones we had last time. Yeah. I think you did well. How'd you feel leading it? Um, I felt okay. I mean, I think naturally you bring up the topics that like you yourself are interested in and want to, and want to discuss. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to pick your brain as to like what you're thinking about these different touch points that occupy my, you know, brain space, I guess. Love it. Love to see it. Because a lot of it is like, okay, what are the things that we're each looking at on our phone, you know? And to what extent does it overlap? And to what extent (laughs) do they have nothing to do with each other? (laughs) I do not partake in ChatGPT. Right, but whatever whatever content you get exposed to, for example. Right. To what extent do these different information streams cross? And to what extent do they play off each other (laughs) sounds like i'm more interested in this than you are no no, i I think i think it's interesting i think it will it will also be cool if we each contribute topics to the next one you had a lot of good topics prepared this time last time i feel like i had the topics prepared and see how that feels kind of overlapping yeah because that i think the podcast is the opportunity for the both of us to get on the same page about this or that topic or just at least hear what the other's thoughts are. I agree. And to tell our audience. Our audience of, we don't know how many. We have to look at our listens. Yeah, oh my God. The, we must be in hundreds at this point, right? Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> I don't know, hundreds of thousands. That might take another couple weeks. Well, another couple weeks or two. All right. All right, thanks everyone for tuning in. Until next time. Bye.